USI never had it so good. 101.1 radio. The best R&B and hip-hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7. The world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshaies is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshaies has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshaies. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com.
and uh, their their siblings, and it, it is just amazing that we find ourselves in this kind of situation, and people continually don't want to commit themselves to figuring out the answers. Uh, so we see the same things playing out every day. So I'm asking today, you know, as we see these things in our society, what kind of steps do we need to take to reduce these kinds of things? And what is it going on in our society that is planting these violent seeds into our young people? And we we're constantly talking about it, but it's hard not to constantly talk about it when it's happening daily. So, again, I'm asking, um, you know, those of you who are calling in, what are the prospects of our future if our young people seemingly can't control their anger? Uh, Cheryl, we seem to be dealing with this each and every day. And this particular time, it happens to be an African-American who has gunned down his mother and father. And uh, we really haven't figured out why he did it. Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? Um, I was really shocked to... um to read, I went on and, you know, read the article on um, the incident and was really shocked in one sense and not in another because we seem to have so much of violence that's going on and violence is being solved, you know, with killing uh, and I want to believe that this is probably something to do with, you know, drugs. And when we talk about even the simplest drugs that they do, they alter the mind. They alter the behavior. You know, no matter how subtle it may seem to people or how relaxing. And what it does, it affects everyone differently you know it could be a one-time user of a a particular drug and could mess up a person for life you know i had a um, cousin um years and years ago you know one of the things that used to be big is sniffing glue and he did and just the one time and he was messed up for life so whether it's that or whether it's a situation that deal with um, some type of emotional disturbance with him, you know, we, we have to start getting to the root of these things and take every situation and every threat seriously. Um, he was brought to the hospital um, before. And that's why they thought that it may have something to do with um, drugs. And at that time, every single precaution should have been taken. And this is a wake-up call to all of us. Take these 
situations very seriously before they get to the point just as a killing. Um, we have to pay attention to our younger people. I mean, this is this is this seems to be a everyday occurrence of some type of killing. And you're right. It, it is amazing to me. I try to, I try to. While I was talking to my daughter today, and I was saying to you know there have been times when me and my mother have had disagreements, uh, but I have never been angry enough to do anything violent uh, addressing my mother. And then we have to be careful about how we decide who we give guns to. The gun to this student uh, registered to his father. So his father gave him access to this gun, which eventually killed him and his wife. And so you have to ask yourself, why would you give your son a gun? Uh, I spent four and a half years at South Carolina State, and not one time during that period did I think it was necessary for me to have a weapon. Uh, So why is it that these kids are are feeling as though weapons are needed for them to live their lives? Um, Regina, did you hear about the murder of uh, this young man's uh, mother and father by him and how he was in the hospital, I think, the day before, but was released? And when they came to pick him up, he he murdered them. Well, um, James, good evening. Um, according to the information that I've read, um, the father is actually or was actually a police officer in Chicago. The gun was in the father's car. The young man got angry after an argument with the parents and ran to the car and got his father's gun. And that's when he came back and shot and killed them. And um, you are correct. Uh, he The day before, he went to an on-campus police officer and told the police officer that someone was trying to to hurt him or or bother him and they they investigated but they saw it was unfounded and at some point they realized that something odd was going on with this young man and took him to the hospital the parents were coming they contacted the parents and they were coming to get him and it just so happened to be spring break, and then that's when all of this happened. So they're strongly believing that he got a hold of some sort of drugs. You know, and it's and Regina, it's just like Mary said. You know, we, you know, some of these kids need to be afraid uh, to participate in anything because they don't know what type of reaction they're going to get from whatever it is that they participate in. And if the scenario happened, as you explained, uh, that is even more uh, leads me to believe that this young man was out of his mind at the time, you know, because 
how angry can you possibly get at your parents to want to, if they came to pick you up, they must have some love in their heart for you or consideration for you as their child. And definitely that is not something you deserve. They've maybe been on his case about his behavior of what he was doing and that upset him so much. So, Cheryl, it looks like – go ahead, uh, Regina. thought about that same thing, James. Um, The the sadness in this, in that, one, they cared enough to make sure that he had a college education. They cared enough to come and pick him up for spring break. You know, they – this wasn't that typical – what we are seeing, you know, what we've been seeing where, the, you know, it was dysfunctional. It may have been dysfunctional behind the scenes, but from what we've been told, they cared enough to continue to make sure he got what he needed. It definitely looks that way. It is just odd uh, that he found it necessary you know, but it leads you to believe because there are static drugs out there now that make people do some wild things, and people need to – I don't know what it is about people's lives, Cheryl, that makes them feel so nece- it's so necessary uh, to go outside of themselves and, and, and go to another place. You know, what is it that is so sad about their lives that they need to be uh, somehow taken away from it. You know, um, I think I was talking to somebody just today, and I know we've talked about it a lot, um, life skills. And, you know, a lot of individuals not brought up with life skills and knowing how to deal with situations. So when you don't have the necessary tools that it takes, you are acting strictly on emotions instead of iterating, you know, life skills or or skills that you have learned or even the behavior that we bring up our children in. You know, certain things we just know that we're not, supposed to do and I find that a lot of you know people are working on emotions today and emotions you know act in a, a split second and this can lead to just what it did violence you know a killing and I think and I believe that that's why we're having a lot of killings that we are having today because you know, people are, are really living off emotions, and they're not living off of um, the skills or the behavior that some of us, because I'm going to tell you, some of them that acting off emotions were actually brought up better than they act today. So we're not using or going back to those um those skills or those behaviors that we were once taught. Mm-hmm. 
I believe that emotion is taken over a lot. And if this young man had drugs in his system, that definitely could cause an alter in behavior of something that he would have never done had he not had, you know, a substance. So that is something, you know, that we have to find out later on to find out exactly, you know, if it was just his behavior or if it, or if it was some kind of drugs in his substance that allowed him to act the way that he did. You know, I think, you know, it, people don't value being sober. You know, and it seems to me it is something that I have done over the years so easily. And sometimes, I have to be honest, you know, we all need to be honest when we're on this show, show that um, other people who listen to it uh, can identify with what we're saying. And some of the worst times in my life when I have truly felt uh, bad or sick has been when I was not sober. You know, um, going through college, there were periods of time I never drank when I was in high school. And the only real, the first official drink I had was when, after graduation, my mom took me to Red Lobster and she allowed me to have a mixed drink. And I must have been at that time uh, 17 or 18, and we were together, and she allowed me to have a mixed drink. But outside of that, I never went to uh, a bar or a liquor store or anything like that and, and was drinking uh, while I was in high school. But when I got in college, there were a few times uh, that I overindulged and would be sick and and would promise God that I'd never do it again. And, and even to this day, I, you know, drinking is just something I don't do. And especially when I, I say to myself, if you're drinking by yourself, you know, sometimes you may drink or share a drink in when you're with company. But if you're drinking by yourself, I say, you know, you, I got this thought that you're truly an alcoholic when you drink by yourself. And so uh, there have been times when I have had wine coolers or that stuff tastes almost like Kool-Aid uh, because there's so little alcohol in it. But I just can't imagine being or uh, wanting to be in a state of euphoria uh, throughout my day. And I guess it is because I feel like I'm happy or in, happy with myself enough and I'm in love with myself enough not to need to be somewhere else where my my ability to control my behavior is altered. And we need to get our kids to understand there's nothing nothing smart or enjoyable about altering your sense of reality to the point that you might do something that changes the rest of your life. And so, um, Audrey, we're talking today about the fact that a young man uh, has killed his mother and father uh, when they went to pick him up from college. And now this young man has been apprehended, uh, but prior to their arrival, he was having some issues uh, that the police thought were related to drug use. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, how do we defend our kids 
and ourselves from these drugs that seemingly are just inundating our children. Well, satisfying Saturday to everyone. And, um, James, I tell you, this one is one that I just don't understand. I don't know the answer to. And I caught the last part of, um, I think you was mentioning that your mother took you out for your first drink. And it was because she wanted to have you in a, an environment and, and teach you and, and that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, um, I often think about the power of drugs. You know, when we think about surgeries that are performed, it amazes me that uh, when you go under anesthesia, the anesthetologist um, knows based on your weight, uh, your height, and what can condition or procedure you're having, exactly how much to give you. And when you um, complete the the surgery, when you're in the recovery piece, they know just about the time that you're going to wake up, and, you know, you don't remember anything. So, you know, drugs can just have that much power and overtake your body. So getting our um, police officers and and other law enforcement officers agencies to understand uh, how to decipher between uh, a person that's really under the influence of drugs or whether they're not, um, that's that's a specialty, I think. I think that's training that goes along with it, and I think, think time and experience because there are some, um, medical conditions that, again, would um, make a person think that they may be under drug, and in reality they're not. So, I know that's a long response to an answer that I just I really don't have. That's just one that we have to constantly uh, talk about, understand, research, um, identify trends, and use that information to um, help us to be able to respond in the best manner possible. You know, it it, it is interesting when you bring about the fact that when we're professionally um, given drugs uh, for medical procedures. And, you know, I always tell people that there have been two times that I have been given uh, drugs for medical procedures, and it's a good thing that I can't get to those drugs um, now because those have been the only two times when I felt the kind of euphoria that would be enjoyable. Uh, And what I mean by that, I have a real tough time sleeping. And uh, I'd love to be able to go to sleep at night and not wake up till the next morning. But that's not normally how it happens uh, for me. But uh, I had a a wisdom tooth pull, and they gave me an injection, and they did it. and, And I was in the recovery room, and my mother was just telling me, boy, take that old crazy smile off your face. Stop all that silly giggling. And uh, had they had videotapes back then, I'm sure mine would have went viral uh, because I can just remember just being just floating. And no time, I don't know if you all have had this experience, but every time I've been in a situation where they told me to count backwards, I can never remember counting back more than to five. But certainly that would not want to wouldn't want to be a state that I was in uh on a continuous basis 
and certainly it seems like we now have been inundated with the, to the point where the police officers are now carrying this uh, device around uh, to help people when they go overdose. And so we really have to ask ourselves, where are we going as a society when we seemingly have more and more people wanting to get away from their reality, Cheryl, that they're so unhappy with their lives as they, it exists now that it's this need uh, to somehow run away from who they actually are. You're right. And that, you know, they call that they, their escape. And I find that not want to go through the feeling because just like right now, um, I just talked to my um, my sister-in-law, um, who, um, James, you know that I just lost my um, brother-in-law. And um, we were talking about, you know, how she was feeling. And I was, you know, we were just talking about how important it is to go through those feelings and not to try to mask those feelings with, you know, a drink or which would lead to more drink. And and it's hard. And I think that people don't want to to feel or to go through those feelings, but it's necessary because once you start covering up those feelings with different things because I had a family member that did not want to face reality. And whatever that reality may be, they use alcohol as a way of dealing with their problems, but not realizing the situation don't go away. You're just masking it with alcohol, with um, either pharmaceutical drugs or, or, you know, a hard drug, whatever it may be, you can't run away from you. And whatever's going on, whatever situation you're dealing with, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. That we don't want the hard thing as far as dealing with something. So we try to escape it. Yeah, and it seems as though we're not aware that at some point in time, either you are going to overdose and take yourself out of life completely, or once you are beyond the drug and that sensation, you're going to be right back at the same place. And so now, um, Regina, if this young man was on drugs, he's going to wake up uh, today or tomorrow and recognize that he murdered his mother and father and that there's nothing he can do about it to bring them back. Right. That's exactly what's going to happen when reality hits. I looked at, oh, the mother was a cancer, breast cancer survivor, flight attendant, and a real estate broker. 
So, um, but even when you and I'm look sure they at wanted the, the world, they world for their son. They did not talk about whether they he had any other siblings or not. I didn't did see you, that. Did you see but when you, mm-mm, I didn't see if he had any other siblings. Did you see that? But no, um, I didn't. I, they didn't speak of that. I didn't. I didn't, I couldn't see that. But he looked. He did on his picture. He did not have, you know, a a, a look of of happiness. He had a a look of. So I I can. I was just speaking about this to someone the other day, where when you live a you have a certain status in life, oftentimes you mask what's actually going on with your children so that your family will not seem to be dysfunctional. You don't want anybody to know what's going on. So it's possible that they could have had troubles in their home or troubles with this young man, and um, this is just how it, it culminated. Yeah, it is, it is, and it's seemingly once you go in this direction, there is no coming back. Uh, so, Audrey, we we, you know, we have dealt with and understand that there are a lot of people who can't deal with reality in a positive way and are constantly seeking uh, to to distance themselves from what who they truly are. Yeah, that has a lot to do with our culture and our society. Um, you know, we have a, a stigma that's associated with uh, going to seek um, professional assistance, uh, whether it's for mental health or counseling. Um, and, and that's the reason why, like you say, a lot of times people are walking in there really pretending and and you never know exactly what's going on uh, in a person's life unless unless they're that with you and let you let it. Be. So you're exactly right. We're not sure all the components that are uh, leading up to the situation. And I recognize Cheryl that you know there are times when you're in a social um, environment and you might want to relax and uh, let your hair down a little bit. But when people find themselves needing to get high right after they get off work, they need to constantly be drinking or doing something or consuming something that changes their their brain rhythm, uh, that's, that's a problem. It is because, you know, what it starts, off to be very innocent, it usually escalates to the point that now it becomes a habit where they start to use the excuse, well, I need a couple of drinks just to wind down, when you can actually go home in a quiet place and just relax just as well. So, yeah, but, you know, we just have so much out here that's available, and we have individuals that are not making, you know, really smart decisions. 
and we're using whatever substance it is to cope with life or to use excuses that we're using that we need this to wind down or, or just to relax or, you know, just to take the edge off. You know, whatever phrase that's used, I see that, you know, it starts off. And it could be starting off very innocent. And then, you know, it becomes a problem. So we have to be careful with a lot of the um, things. Um, I was always too afraid to indulge in anything that I knew. You know, if if um, I didn't let my peers pressure me at all, you know, um, if that's what you wanted to do, I didn't love you, I didn't talk about you, but I bet you one thing, you weren't going to get me to join in, and that was with nothing. And I can tell you from my daddy being an alcoholic, um, a smoker, uh, a sister that um, was on drugs, and none of that um, got persuaded me to even try any of the things that um, that took, you know that I was exposed to. I wanted to be cleared-minded of everything, and little did I know that I legally wind up being on prescription medication that that I took as the doctor prescribed, and it really altered my um, my thinking. Um, I did things while on this medication for years, and I mean, you know, like I said, just simple things, everyday things that I find now that, you know, I say I have to be really out of my mind. Anytime, you know, when my mama have a yard sale and I put up, you know, I do all the signs for the yard sales and they put up all over and I never put the address on and use these signs over and over again. Never even thought about it. So, you know, that it is even a um, life altering thing. So we just have to be careful that we don't get caught up in things that could alter our mind, our behavior, and the things that we do in life. Well, one thing for sure, um, Audrey, and I'll say this to you, there's one thing for sure that I am afraid of taking substances uh, that, may change the way I feel uh, when what I'm feeling is reality. And so there's been times when I've gone to the hospital for severe back pain, and they gave me oxycodone, and I, I never really even finished the prescription because I didn't want to find myself dependent on that feeling that might be created by that pill. When I've heard of people who uh, got on that pill and got hooked and find themselves robbing uh, pharmacies or uh, stealing doctors' pads or and and doing uh, all kind of things and ending up in jail, and one of my experiences was uh, meeting a man who was a nurse, who him and his wife were bringing in over two hundred thousand a year and have what you would call nearly the perfect family, 
and because of some surgery he had and taking those oxycodone, he became addicted to the point where he started stealing doctor prescription pads and ended up in jail. So, you know, we have to be real careful about the kind of things that we're putting in our mouths. And now we hear these young people taking mollies and ecstasy and all these other kinds of uh, pills uh, that have been created uh, by dropout pharmacists who never went to school at all. And they are depending on these people to put the right thing into these pills. Are you there, Andre? Well, Regina, how do we go about? I had you on mute, Andre. Are you there? I am here, and I know you didn't want me to say anything, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> I agree with you. I I don't like the feeling of um, not being in control of my feelings and stuff, and and you're exactly right. After a procedure that would require. Um, pain medication, I I have a pretty good tolerance for pain. So I would much rather go through the pain process uh, versus, uh, again, e- even trying to get on uh, certain drugs because I just I don't like the way it makes me feel. And, you know, I, I just still don't understand why certain people would want to feel that way. Maybe I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel <laughs> or whatever, but – I'm just not very comfortable with it, and I'm 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 not not um, I'm not prone to uh, to uh, take medications like that that try to take me out of my comfort zone of being in control. Uh, but you're right. Um, once the drug takes over, uh, people that have what we would think a very successful life and a lot going for them, they would lay that on the line. Um, not because of something that they intended to do, but because the drug then takes over. And um, and and a lot of times it's unfortunate that they're not able to overcome. But we're, um, you know, we're in, in a state that um, we see it happening over and over again. Yeah, I have to tell you, when I was in that back pain and I went to the hospital, I envisioned them putting me in the bed and, putting this um, pump on me so I could pump this um, medication into me and and, and uh, ease that pain, uh, and it didn't happen. You know, they told me, Mr. Shea, we don't allow people to come to, to the hospital just to uh, overcome pain. You know, you're going to have to go home, and we'll give you some pills, uh, but we don't – you can't just come to, to – do, um, to the hospital just for pain. You know, your back is hurting, and you're going to have to to deal with that until it subsides. So, um, Regina, you know, a lot of times they leave you on your own when you're in pain and want to just give you a prescription, uh, but they don't know whether or not you're going to become addicted uh, to that stuff and uh, have it um, ruin your life. James, you know, you are so right, and my daughter and I were just sitting here talking about that. Um, This is her, this time last week, 
she was in the hospital and she had a six day stay in the hospital for they didn't they didn't know what it was in the beginning. So when we first went into the ER they did these tests and it was in inconclusive. All they knew is that she said she was having headaches. So they wanted to give her pain painkillers. And I told them and send her home. And I said, So what you want to do is mask whatever is actually going on. This leads me to believe that a lot of times when people go into the hospital, if they don't have someone there to advocate for them, then they will do all sorts of things. Pile them up with um, with painkillers to mask the pain and send them on their way. Um, her situation ended up with a six-day stay where they had to actually put her on medications that slowed down her 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 brain waves. These medications are the medications that these young people are actually getting a hold to in pill form in the cabinet medicine chest of their parents. It is it is amazing what these drugs can do to you. And James, I recall you saying or someone said how it um, does something to you in the hospital I saw it I saw them kept trying To to get her out of her Because they could see it on the On the monitors They could actually see the pain Once they admitted her And it, it's just It's just she, she talks about being on Ativan And how Ativan had you just feeling Good now this is what the young people say, but those of us who who have a clearer mind know that you can actually become addicted to this quote unquote good feeling. So you hear it from my daughter's perspective, oh it had her feeling good. But from my perspective, I had to sit there and monitor how much of this medication they were giving her. That's not good. Yeah, because you don't. Yeah, you don't want to get to the point where being euphoric is your natural state of being. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I've sat here in my house all day today, and I pretty much feel good. Um, every once in a while, I take a nap, and I wake up, and my my, my body. Uh, you know, I have a few aches and pains. But there's no desire for me to feel euphoric. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, my brain is <laughs> and not in control. And, and, you know, and you have to be careful when that is the way you want to feel, Cheryl, that you want to feel some kind of euphoric state where your mind is on a cloud. Uh, that's not a comfortable place to spend life. Um, and, you know, like I continue to say um, that I was there so I actually know and one of the best things that I think that could be done is and just like we'll say it um, 
you know, about being in the hospital is to have a living will, meaning that um, if anything happened to me, you know, and I don't say it's getting sick because I, I'm not claiming sickness, and but if somebody, if I had to go into the hospital, um, that is my health coach that will be in charge of every decision that's made. And for the simple reason, I, it's going to be understood certain things that I just don't want. And if you got to send me home, send me home. I don't care. But you're not going to bring me back in the state of mind that I once was. And I find that people go in the hospital for one thing and they come out. And this is just recently that I've known this um, this lady, she went in for her stomach, and she comes out with one leg. You know, they do trial and error on you in there. They um, they mess up, and then to fix it, they're gonna tell you, oh, by the way, some such and such is wrong, and now we're gonna have to do this. Oh no, they won't be doing all of that. They just won't. And um, I, I just, you know, like I said, a person who has been there, who allowed, you know, and trusted my doctor, and this just was my primary position, to be able to take the things that she prescribed, oh, man, it put me in a state of mind that nobody ever wants to go, be in. I mean, and you don't realize it until you're actually out of it. You know, same thing we're talking about this young man. If by any chance he was on any kind of substance, um, when he comes down and he realized what he did, he's not going to believe it. He's not going to be able to comprehend that he really did this based upon a substance that took control over his mind. It happens every single time. And Regina, he is truly going to be uh, tormented if he finds himself convicted and sitting in jail as much quiet time as there is in jail, recognizing that he's there every day because he murdered his own parents. I mean, I could not think of a more, more horrific set of circumstances related to putting you in jail when you kill your own parents? Well, the sad part about it is is that he may not even have a support system because in the event, parents have been doing all they could do for him. And their friends and their loved ones were saying, um, you've done enough, or they just let him do whatever he wants to do, or, you know, those folk are not going to have a lot of empathy or sympathy for this young man. And he may actually have to go through this whole situation by himself. And he's going to end up going crazy, literally. Yeah, that very well may be the case because, again, it's not something that you can take back. It is it is now going to be his norm 
You know, they talk about the kind of normal uh, that people have after an event. This is going to be his normal for the rest of his life, recognizing that uh, for whatever reason, he um, crossed the line and went to a place where we really don't want anybody uh, to go. Uh, No one should go. Uh, We're going to take a short break and we'll come back and continue our conversation. There's a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith. To hear the diesel's coming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. So people get ready. For the train to join Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors of boredom There's hope for all Among those who love the most James T. DeShay, there is never a perfect time to step out on faith. It will always require risking the safety of where you are at the moment. But one will never be completely happy when their dreams are not being reached. The higher the dreams, the greater the risk. When the right opportunity makes itself available, you have to choose to close your ears to naysayers and move forward beyond your fears. Please visit WealthDadSystems.com. That's WealthDadSystems.com. W-E-A-L-T-H-D-A-D-S-Y-S-T 
E-M.com. I look forward to talking to you soon. Remember, there are a lot of people waiting for their ship to come in. It might require us to swim out to meet it. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. It's important that you be part of the solution and let your voice be heard more than just a couple of feet. We have to be able to talk to each other and spend time relating our different situations around the country for us to be a part of the movement that is going to establish who we are as a people and the direction America is going to go in. Uh, Cheryl, um, let me just ask you, you know, we value our children and we want them to be successful and we want them to have experiences, but how do we keep them safe from the drug culture that exists in our society? You know, I'm going to just say, you know, for me, I constantly um, talk about it. I constantly give examples, you know, to my son. Because, you know, right now in college, that's all around. And, he, you know, he even in high school, he told me that, you know, he went to a party and they asked him about doing some drugs. And he said he left. So we got to constantly talk to them um, and just pray they make um, the best decision, meaning that to not to get involved in it. And, I, I mean, that's the most that we can do. We can constantly talk about it, constantly give examples and pray and pray that, you know, they don't um, give in to the temptations that's all around us. Um, Regina, it seems like we're going in a direction where all 50 states are at some point going to make marijuana lawful. And I just believe that if it becomes legal that more and more of our children are going to try it. Uh, I guess I lost. Okay. Regina, I had that question for you. And, you know, it looks like more uh, 50 of our state, all 50 of our states are eventually going to make marijuana smoking illegal. And it, it means that more and more of our children are going to try it once it becomes legal. And I just don't see a positive outcome if that is what's going to happen. Well, as far as the the legalization of of marijuana um, and the children trying it, 
there there's nothing that that I can do, child from or a young person or anybody from from trying drugs. The what what is going to happen is that marijuana will become like cigarettes, and it'll just be something that you do that you do. So. Folk are going to start wanting to get more of a high from this drug. And my daughter was reminding me of a young person we know who had his marijuana lace with eye drops, and it had some very harsh, uh, a very harsh result as a result of that. So, you know, they're, they're going to, he learned his lesson. He learned his lesson, and he's very, he's becoming a very successful musician now. But as Joyce said, we just have to pray and hope that our home training eventually pays off. And we just have to have faith that it will. They're going to try things. They, they, they're just going to try things. But the sad thing is, Regina, you know, do we? Does that mean that we're going to have to get used to our doctors and our lawyers and our police officers and our pilots? Are we going to have to get used to those people we count on to be sober uh, to uh, deal with them doing this drug legally as well? and not being as sober as we need them to be when we're counting on them? We're going to have to pray that we can, that there will be mechanisms in place to tell whether or not they are under the influence. But I will promise you, (laughs) they're doing it. They're getting off work, the pilots, the doctors, the this and the that, and they're smoking weed. You know, they're saying, well, um, you know, this is from the earth, so it, it's okay. I mean, it, it's happening. We just don't know it, but it is happening. Well, I know it's happening. I, I know it's happening. Yeah, it, it is sad that we find ourselves in this position. Uh, it really is. Uh, We're going to take another break, and we'll come back and allow everybody to have their final words. We got it together, didn't we? We've definitely got our thing together, don't we? Isn't that nice? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? I can easily feel myself slipping more and more away into that super world of my own. Nobody but you and me. We've got it together, baby.
Again, we're here seven days a week, Monday through Friday at seven. Uh, excuse me, at six p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at eight p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. We have something to say, and we want to be heard, and we want our opinions to be taken seriously. So it is up to us to have our voices out there. So the general public will know what it is, what we're thinking. 
Uh, Cheryl, what's your final thought for this evening? Um, that we got to continue to um, to talk to our children, our younger generation. We have to cut examples. We have to be there to support them. Um, and we have to keep our eyes open and not and take the blinders off. You know, sometimes they may get into things that we may be embarrassed about, but we have to face it and help them to deal with it and get out of situations. You know, um, and the main thing is that we got to continue to pray. You are so right. Uh, Regina, uh, your final thought for this evening? Um, th- those were those were my exact exact thoughts. We have to um, we have to be just be there for them and pray that when they get into those things, that those things won't be so detrimental that they're not able to come back to come out of those things um, and come back and function. We we, we just, it, and, and I'm not saying condone the things that they're doing, but we, we've got to, to understand that they're going to get into things, but talk them through it and, and just be there for them. Be, be a listening ear. Don't shut down on them. You are so very right. We have to be prepared to fight through uh, to the point where we help them get back to a better normal than the one that they're trying to live in. Uh, I, oh, I like the way you that. <laughs> Well, it's true. You know, we all have done things we should have thought better of. Uh, my parents, when like my daughter was born, when I was the age of 16, I would hate it if they would have thrown me away and not allowed me uh, to exist in my new normal where I had responsibilities that I shouldn't have had until I became an adult. So we do uh, have to give, allow our children the opportunity to make mistakes and be able to help them through those mistakes. Thank all of you, uh, even those of you who have not called in. We want you to call in. Remember, the number to the show is 657-383-0309. We want you to call in and uh, have the courage to have your voice heard. Again, 657-383-0309. 657-383-0309. Call into Thoughts, Love, and Reflections so your voice can be heard loud and clear. Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. on Thoughts, Love, and Reflections. So, what do you want to do? I'm here, baby. I'm ready for you. I'm waiting on you. Believe me. I am patiently 
Practice what you dream. 